0: And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other health care provider. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal's not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign-up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code SEAN. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life, and of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to mypillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of My Pillow, has the special four-pack. Now you get 40% off two My Pillow premiums and two Go Anywhere Pillows. Now My Pillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, and a 10-year warranty. All right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800 941 Sean if you want to be a part of the program. What a news day this is. Roger Goodell basically said, oh, of course we're going to honor the flag as an organization, but he's not going to do anything to stop the players from doing what they're doing. Okay, then the people are going to be fed up. And people are going to continue to walk. Now it's, I guess, what happened with the Cavaliers last night? They didn't kneel, but they locked arms, and and basically they're trying to do the same thing during the anthem, and they want to send a message. I guess, did they say what the message was? You know, King James, nothing. We didn't hear from him. Anything, Jason? Did you hear inequality? Okay, um, and you know, well, I, I listen. I'm just saying that if everything in the sports world. Which unified everybody of all backgrounds, all races. It was a passion. It was a distraction. It was fun. It was entertainment. Now it's become political. You're going to get a political result and you're going to get a divided audience. And if some of it, if this just continues, it's they're just blowing their whole season in the NFL. Other sports that follow, I suspect, are going to see the same results that the NFL are seeing lower viewership. They're going to see less revenue, less money. And then at some point, I think it'll backfire, and then they'll say, well, maybe we should stand and respect those that fought, blood and died under, the, under the, the flag. All right, so we've got that. We're going to get to that today. There is so you, there's a congresswoman named Frederica Wilson. She wears a cowboy hat, and so you can recognize her. And she has been one of the most outspoken vitriolic critics of Donald Trump. So if you believe what happened um, and believe her story, and I guess friends of hers, because it's actually a sad story, because anyway, you have the mother of an army sergeant was killed in Niger earlier this month. Anyway, and on Wednesday, Democratic Representative Frederica Wilson gave an account of what President Trump said on the phone following her son's death. I don't know what was said on the phone call, but what they're saying is, is that, well, he, he knew what he signed up for. It made it seem as cold and callous. Maybe those words were used. Maybe it was inarticulate what the president said. Maybe it, none of us know. president says it was, it was a call to comfort the mother. And now you have a congresswoman out there trying to say that it was something other than that and and it was insensitive and he was trying to joke and he knew what he signed up for. And apparently then the friend of Frederica, the the congresswoman, Frederica Wilson, now they're saying what they're saying. And that he, you know, well, he knew what he signed up for. Now, there's a couple of things here. I, I don't doubt anybody in a moment can be inarticulate. That's possible. I don't know what happened in the phone call. The president denies it. The president says he has proof. Here's what I do know. You would have to believe that Donald Trump wanted to be mean to a woman who lost her son, and he purposely picked up the phone and tried to insult her and aggravate her and upset her and make her feel bad. Now, there's so many ways you can interpret. I, I mean, this is what... Now, if you're on the crazy left, you're going to believe Donald Trump is evil. He has nothing Donald Trump can do in his life that is right in the minds of Frederica Wilson, and I've got all the sound to prove it. So I'm suspect based on her hatred of Donald Trump. I don't know about the mother. The mother's distraught. Nobody should be even asking the mother questions. But the media is is just wanting to politicize this and turn this into the biggest thing in the history of the country. Um, I can give you some details. For example, General Kelly. And I've had an occasion where I did speak once to General Kelly. And I said to him, I'm so sorry what happened to your son. And I read the story that three days after his son died, General Kelly, of course, the White House chief of staff, he said, He was given a speech. I just asked that you not mention my son because I don't want to single him out to be any different than the 5,500 other people that have fought and died in the battle in Iraq and Afghanistan, which is a stunning story. Now, it has been confirmed that President Obama never made a condolence call to General Kelly, who, by the way, was working for Obama. closer relationship. He's a general. After his son was killed in Afghanistan seven years ago. And anyways, and, you know, Trump said as far as other presidents, I don't know. You can ask General Kelly, did he get a call from Obama? I don't know what Obama's policy was, but this is what you're going to have to believe. You're going to have to believe that Donald Trump purposely called a woman in distress and took time out of his day as president and purposely wanted to insult her. Or you can take it. Now, let's just assume that the words are correct These guys know what they sign up for. It could also be interpreted, these incredible brave men know that there is such danger when they sign up to serve their country. And I would gather and I would guess pretty much everything I have that Donald Trump did not want to insult the mother who lost her son and take time out of his day just to do that. Maybe he was inarticulate. I don't know. He's a pretty articulate guy. Maybe it was just taken the wrong way. Maybe it was just miscommunication. I don't know. But I doubt the president of the United States of America, of any party, is going to ever call a grieving mother to put salt in a wound. And that's how the media in this country is spinning it. And I just don't believe it. I don't believe what you're hearing. And I think the media lies to us all the time. And I suspect if the president said anything like that, if the president, in fact, said he knew what he signed up for, I think he was probably referring to, I, I, I'm amazed at the the quality of men and women in this country that know they're risking their lives for their country and their fellow countrymen. And they do it anyway. There's a way to look at that and say, you know what? You're saying that they are the best of the best and that they know the danger that they will be facing and they do it anyway, which is the truth. So now let's go to Frederica Wilson, and this is why I think this is a a cheap shot at the president. This is my gut, and I refuse to talk about the parents except to say this, my thoughts and my prayers are with this mother and father. My thoughts and prayers are with them. I don't think there's anything worse in life than losing a child as a parent. They are suffering today. I don't think the news media ought to be calling them. I don't think they ought to be doing interviews. They can do whatever they want. That's up to them. But I think they ought to be left alone. And I think they're suffering enough. And uh, it's sad. And if the president didn't say it the right way, I'm sure he probably would want to do it. You know, want to do over. There are times I'm look, there are days words can flow from me and then days I'm on the air and I'm like, uh, it just doesn't come out the way you want it to come out. And that's just the way it is in life. And especially if you're talking every single day to so many different people, I'm sure the, the president knew who he was calling. He knew that this was a grieving mother. He knew that she had lost her son. So you'd have to believe he's so mean that he did this to be the meanest human being on earth or that he could have been inarticulate or he was really calling with the best of intentions. And I believe it's probably I believe it's the latter. That's what I believe. And yet we've got. All right. Let's talk about Frederica Wilson. I have proof Trump told the widow of the fallen soldier he knew what he signed up for.
1: I know this is the first time that you're hearing the president's tweet read to you, so when he says that you've totally fabricated what he said to the wife of the soldier and he has proof, what's your response?
2: Well, I I don't know what kind of proof he could be talking about. Uh, I'm not the only person that was in the car, and... uh I have proof, too. This man is a sick man. Uh, He's cold-hearted, and he feels no pity or sympathy for anyone. This is a grieving widow, a grieving widow who is six months pregnant. This is a young woman. She's only 24 years old. She weighs maybe 110 pounds, and she has two other kids, two years old and six years old. And when she actually hung up the phone, she looked at me and said, He didn't even know his name. So So that's the worst part. So,
1: Congressman, let's talk about that. What did you hear? Tell us about this phone call.
0: All right, let's let's go on. Now, let's take a look at the past of Frederica Wilson. And when she said Donald Trump is on the brink of impeachment, so she
2: he doesn't realize that he is on the brink of impeachment and people will begin to call for him to be impeached and the Republicans will have to join in because they need to be on the right side of history.
0: That was May of this year. She's not a Trump fan. She's also somebody that has a history of rushing to dr- judgment. Judgment like in the Trayvon Martin case.
2: Mr. Speaker, this is Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin's murderer is still at large. It's been one month, 30 days with no arrest. I want America to see this sweet young boy who was hunted down like a dog, shot in the street, And his killer is still at large.
0: We went through a case. There was an eyewitness in the case that put Trayvon Martin on top of George Zimmerman, grounding and pounding his head into pavement. And it was George Zimmerman's scream. And a jury found him not guilty. She rushed to judgment. The real enemy, she says, is the Tea Party. She said this in August of 2011.
2: While we discuss our very real concerns, Let us all
3: remember who the real enemy is. And the real enemy is the Tea Party. So
0: she's got a political agenda. And she changed her story slightly. There was a, a story saying that, well, hang on a sec. First she was talking about the death of U.S. soldiers in Niger could be Trump's Benghazi. Here's what she said
1: do you is it your impression from what you've heard from the pentagon or just in congress that on this mission did these soldiers have the necessary cover for the mission they were on
2: it doesn't seem as if they had sufficient cover it doesn't seem they had sufficient vehicles, the appropriate uh, armored cars, It, it feels, it seems as if they were outnumbered. It seems as if he was missing for 24 hours, but his transmitter was still beeping, and it seems as if they could have found him. This might wind up to be Mr. Trump's Benghazi. So he needs to investigate this very, very closely because I will be making sure that Congress does that.
0: She also claimed two different versions of this story here in the conversation with this mother. One story said her driver was with her. uh, But in another story, she said her press secretary was with her. Here she changes her story slightly.
2: I heard him say... uh... Well, you know, this is what he signed. I'm sure he knows that this is what he signed up for, but it still hurts. And the saddest part of this, he kept referring to Le David as your guy. I'm not the only person who heard the conversation. In the car was her aunt and uncle who raised Le David, uh, the, my driver, the gentleman from the army. And the driver of the limousine.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And then she says it's her press secretary. She's after Puerto Rico. She said that the president was throwing paper towels at the crowd, saying it was terrible and abominable, she went on to say. Uh, We have the Trayvon hunted down like a rabid dog and shot in the street and racially profiled. She said President Trump on the brink of impeachment. And many more, many more instances. She hates President Trump. She seems to have an agenda. And people are going to say, well, well, Sean, I don't, I don't know what was said or not said. But she wants to believe the worst in the president. And I don't believe that this president, I don't believe any president, would ever call a grieving mother and be as insensitive as she is describing. And I believe we're being told a lie by this congresswoman. And I feel like she is taking advantage of... For political purposes and that's sad and she has a history of rushing to judgment a history of not telling the truth that's really sad Obama could have called General Kelly's son he didn't even pick up the phone I'm not gonna say I, I'm not gonna cast judgments on Obama about why he did or didn't do it I'm sure he reached out to other military families but to say that well he knew what he was buying into and therefore he knew he was gonna die I don't believe that it happened that way. And this congresswoman is trying to make this the biggest issue in the country. And I'm just, based on her past statements, I don't see it. Hey, guys, you know how much I love Tommy John's underwear, undershirts, and their socks. They are the best. Yet, you know what? We're getting a lot of feedback from Hannity listeners, too. And guess what? Tommy John sent me a few testimonials from real live Sean Hannity Show listeners, so I'm going to share them with you. Dave says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they have actually changed my life. Mark says, Great materials, great fit, a great example of how doing something very basic, very well, can make a surprisingly positive impact on the quality of life. And Gary says, my grumpy stepfather actually thanked me for the gift of Tommy John's. That's a first in the 40 years I've known him. Louise says, My husband is walking, bending, and lifting all day. This is the first pair of underwear that doesn't roll down and ride up. He loves them. Now you've heard the reviews. What are you waiting for? You have nothing to lose with Tommy John. It's the best pair you'll ever wear. Or it's free, guarantee. Just go to TommyJohn.com Hannity. You get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com Hannity. 20% off.
4: Let me just tell you my perspective. Words don't mean as much to me as actions. That's just me. You know, when my son was killed, he was killed in the largest loss of life in the history of naval special warfare. And we had 30 family, 30 families at Dover Air Base uh, waiting for our sons to be our sons' bodies to be returned from Afghanistan. And you know what we experienced there was and I'm not just trying to I'm just trying to draw a contrast. I'm not trying to bring up old old mm-hmm. news, but you know, what we experienced there is the family unanimously asked Barack Obama to not bring any media, to not make this a media event, that he was welcome to be with us, but no media. And, you know, he showed up with cameras, and the next day, our pictures, or his picture, saluting the caskets of our boys, was plastered over every, every outlet in America, I guess. And, you know, I'm just saying... You know, if you're going to if you're going to just be outraged that one person says something that, that could be construed as a, a flippant remark without a lot of thought put behind it. You know, what about the outrage over the things people do?
0: All right. That was the, uh, Karen Vaughn. She's the mother of former Navy SEAL Erin Vaughn. She wrote a book. It's called World Changer, a mother's story. I can't think of anything worse than losing your son. And anyway, Aaron was one of 30 American servicemen who died on board a helicopter. The helicopter was called Extortion 17 when it was shot down in Afghanistan. That happened back in August of 2011, and many who were killed were members of SEAL Team 6, the largest loss of military life in a single day when the war on terror began. What you had heard there was Karen Vaughn explaining that, yeah, the president and they were invited to come. They could come, but they were specifically told not to bring cameras. And Karen Vaughn joins us now. You, All the families had agreed they didn't want cameras there when the bodies came. That's correct or wrong?
1: That That's what we were told, Sean, absolutely what we were told and promised.
0: Yeah. did you ever get a call from President Obama?
1: No. For crying out loud, no, we sure didn't.
0: You know, I'm Never watch-
1: got an invitation to the White House. We've been invited to the White House by Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, the the difference, the contrast is startling. But no, never a call from President Obama.
0: Well, we're getting more information by the hour. Uh, I'm sure that you've heard of this Congresswoman, Frederica Wilson, and she's making all these horrible charges. Well, he knew what he signed up for anyway. And I don't believe this congresswoman, because this is the same person that has called the president a racist. Uh, this is the pers- person that said if Donald Trump was a student at a school I served as principal and behaved so crudely, he'd be expelled. She said President Trump just waved the white flag. Uh, and, you know, so many of the I refuse to stand by and let Trump succeed in his assault on working families. If President Trump has nothing to hide, he should do this and that. He's on the verge of impeachment. And it goes on and on from there. And she has insulted him the entire time she's president. And now we know that General John Kelly was in the room, that several other people were in the room when the president was having the conversation with this poor mother whom I thought, heart, and prayers go out to. And everybody in the media is running wild because a woman that hates the president is spreading this story like wildfire. And nobody seems to want to hear the fact that there are witnesses that heard from the president's side several people in the room including john kelly and that nobody heard what congresswoman frederica wilson said and i just wanted to call you and get your thoughts on it
1: you know what i can tell you from my experience with this president that he is as compassionate toward families of the fallen as any human i've been around in the past six years since aaron left this earth Uh, he has been unbelievably gracious to the gold star community sean opened up an entire wing of the White House. I think it's happened more than once. I've been invited once, my daughter-in-law was invited, my grandchildren were invited, my grandchildren literally got to play in the White House theater. I mean, he basically told everybody that we spoke to that night, said that he said, this is their house tonight. They have free access to every single thing in there, in here. And we did, Sean. That's the reverence and respect that Donald Trump has for the Gold Star community. I, I just find this astounding that somebody is twisting his words like this to to manufacture a problem out of out of a president who has enough respect and love and passion and compassion for fallen heroes to make a phone call to a family member to tell them how sorry he is. And, and you know what, Sean, the thing is, is I don't even care if he said what he said. Do you know, President George W. Bush said those very same words to Billy and I when we met with him last fall, and we weren't offended by those words at all. Those were, even if he said those words, I am I don't know what was said, but even if he said those words that he knew what he was getting into, but it's still very tragic. Those words have been well, spoken to the us full hundreds sentence, of times. Well, all, the,
0: all the media is reporting is that well he knew what he signed up for but the sentence goes on but the sentence goes on but when it happens they know the risk that but when it happens it hurts that doesn't sound offensive to me
1: I've had admirals say that phrase to me. I've had, you know, another president say that phrase to me. I've had dozens of people in leadership make that phrase to me. Sean, that is just a common thing that people say. We all agree that our sons are war fighters. They were heroes. They were warriors. And they did what they were they did what they loved doing. And Aaron died doing what he loved doing. So for anyone to say that to me is not offensive at all. And like you said, the end of that sentence is that but it's never easy or something to that effect. And we all understand that Donald Trump you know, is a father. Y- he's and- a husband. He's a good man. And this is a ludicrous issue being dragging his name through the mud over something this, like this, this woman
0: has talked about impeaching him she has called him a racist right. this woman rushed to judgment in the in the Trayvon Martin case and used the most incendiary language she accused him in Puerto Rico of throwing paper towels at people who are suffering it's horrifying that he's throwing paper towels <laughs> at them uh, right. that Trayvon Martin was hunted down like a rabid dog and shot in the street and racially profiled Well, that's not what the evidence in that case proved. It's a tragedy. I wish it never happened, you know, that that Donald Trump is on the brink of impeachment. Now, I'm just the young woman that lost her son is 24 years old. And and I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be crude or insulting here. But really, it's this simple. Uh,
1: Mrs. Wilson is looking for attention. You can tell that by the kind of hat she puts on every day. The, the kind of, you know, this is this, she's just a woman looking for attention. And now yeah, she's she says using, it's sexist you know, if
0: you she, she wants the rules changed about the hat. um Karen, we love you. We're, you're always in our prayers, as is this mother. I mean, it just is sad. Absolutely. Let me go back. I appreciate your time. Thank you for taking your time, as always. We appreciate it. Getting the truth out is what we like to do on the show. The media won't do it. They're just going to run with, oh, Federico Wilson said it. They won't give any context She hates Donald Trump. Now, they tried to create the same image of President Trump as it relates to Vegas. Remember, we went out to Vegas. And watch the media, like, try and push people that met the president that had loved ones that were injured. And I was at the hospital. The hospital loved him. The people that worked there, the families loved him. He went and talked with everybody there, spent like two hours more than he was supposed to. And that didn't get reported. They tried to portray him as having no empathy. Here's what they did. In Vegas, the one in Vegas, yeah, I know we played it. I want to play it again. what was your conversation
5: like with him? Do you remember what he asked?
3: yeah, he was asking like who played and what we like he he knew that a lot of people knew it sounded like fireworks which a lot of people did and so he was asking what i did and where i went did he
2: offer you words of comfort did he say anything that stands out to you
5: He said he was amazing Where was that
2: yeah he
6: was like super nice he wasn't who we see on social media he was much more comforting
4: what did he say that was so comforting
6: i don't know like his tone of voice and just the way he was his dressing? yeah
0: Now, I went there the day after the president was there, and I met many of the same people the president met. And they were ecstatic. Oh, you mean he has empathy? He cares? With all due respect, Barack Obama didn't pick up the phone for General Kelly. And Jessica Vaughn's story, uh, Karen Vaughn's story, rather, is even more disturbing. Thomas Gunderson is another case. You know, I just, I'm just i just sick and tired that people that so hate this president want to believe something that is almost impossible for any good human soul. Well, he's not good, Hannity. He, he, he used those words on the bus. Oh, locker room talk. It doesn't mean he has compassion. He has children. You don't think he has empathy for a parent that lost their child? This is what the media has been running with all day. All day. This is what, because they don't like him. They won't give you the context. Who is Frederica Wilson? What has she said? There's not one thing I can think of that she hasn't said about this president, for crying out loud. By the way, we've got congressional conservatives now rightly are pushing back against the proposed Obamacare compromise, which would be basically the government funding Obamacare. And because Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray made a stupid deal... Good for the Congress. I hear Paul Ryan said, no, we're not doing it. Good for him. By the way, in Great Britain, their version of Obamacare, the health services plan, it bans surgery if you smoke or you're overweight. Okay, there's half of America. We're all overweight a little bit. I know I'm I'm in that category. Ethan, you're in it too, so shush up. Jason, maybe not so much. Hey,
7: you're not overweight. Stop saying you are.
0: Yeah, because you guys made me take pictures today. You're all full of flattery. That I haven't taken pictures in 15 years, and you finally said it doesn't even look like you anymore, and then made me take some shots, some whatever they are. I don't even want to talk about it. Oh, get this. Samantha Powers, I was so good today. I Don't I get 100 today? I was so good. I didn't complain once. Did I complain one time about taking the photos that you'd— made me take today that i, I didn't want to take i'm not exactly sure what you mean by complain okay was i not a, a you were
6: definitely on good behavior
0: i just okay i'll do it and then you said put your chin down put your chin down put your chin down i'm thinking why i have five chins so you want me to put it down and hide That's it no i told you to. <laughs> thank do god, god they can if you did so you said put your chin down I put your told chin you down to do that look this you way fold your angle. arms move your head to the side move it up down sideways this and that, look that. how
6: nice
2: you
0: looked in those pictures oh my gosh I did not complain. I just, I sucked it up. Everyone
6: said said that you were a rock
1: star in your photo shoot. Everyone.
0: Samantha Powers is now claiming that others used her name to unmask Trump officials. You have uh, one prominent attorney now is moving to have James Comey disbarred. I mean, I just, I can't believe I have to spend all of this time on this whole thing. I'd rather be raising money for 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 this poor woman that lost her husband and has a child on the way. I'd rather raise money for them. If there's a place that we can go that I can donate money to her, I want to donate some money to her instead of the media doing all of that. And by the way, I'll challenge everyone else in the media. They're all rich, spoiled brats. I'll offer, I'll start a fund. I want everybody in the media, let's all give them $10,000 to the wife of this poor guy. They can afford it. Let's see how many CNN and MSNBC people come up. Let's let's all put in ten grand each, and and for that child and for that for that poor woman. Instead of trying, what do you think? Was he? Did he say it the wrong way? Did he say it the wrong way? You know, it doesn't have any compassion. You know, I love these people in the media. You know, you go up to people that just lost their loved ones or just had their everything they own wrecked, and in the moments after, they don't care if they're crying or anything. They're just like, oh, how do you feel? Why do you think I feel, you jackass? I I feel great. My house just got destroyed. They never offer money to help them out. What do they do? I'm just sick of it. So I want to see these spoiled brats in the media, you know, CBS, NBC, ABC, every news anchor, Matt Lauer, everybody give 10 grand. They they can all afford it. Or if you really want to be generous, we can go up to 14 grand tax-free. And give fourteen grand tax free to this this poor woman who lost her husband. And I'm giving the first fourteen grand. All right, Linda, you'll figure out how to send the money to her. And I'd like to see other people in the media do it. By the way, Mueller is accused of covering up we have so much on this news story. We oh wait till you hear the next hour of this program because we've got part two of the story we broke yesterday. We told you all about the bribery and the extortion and the kickbacks and the money laundering and the uranium one deal. And how the FBI had all this evidence. And guess what? They let the deal go through anyway. They let it go through. Well, now we find out that the FBI had an informant. And the FBI informant wanted to tell Congress about the Russian nuclear corruption case. And he was forbidden from doing so. I can't even believe how corrupt this country is. 800-941-SHAWN is a toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. You know, I'm going to tell you something. The media in this country makes me nauseous. They're just, they're sickening. And all those I don't mind that you hate Donald Trump. Go ahead, hate him all you want. But, you know, now we're going to say there's no empathy And you're going to take a line. Maybe it was inarticulate at the worst. But every witness that heard him says no. Obama never called John Kelly after General Kelly after his son died. And we just heard from Mrs. Vaughn, Aaron Vaughn's mother. She didn't want cameras when her son's body came back. But they were there, you know, photo shoot, photo opportunity. You're not going to believe today's development to the story we were following yesterday. You know, that little old story about bribery, kickbacks, extortion, money laundering for the Uranium One deal. Well, now we find out that, in fact, the FBI informant that knew all about it, just like the FBI and the Eric Holder Justice Department, was blocked from telling Congress about the case of Russian nuclear corruption. Talk about a cover up. We have got the details.
8: What are you doing to find out how the Russian takeover of the American uranium was allowed to occur despite criminal conduct by the Russian company that the Obama administration approved to make the purchase?
9: Mr. Chairman, uh, we will hear your concerns. The Department of Justice uh, will take such actions as is appropriate, I know. And I would would offer that some people have gone to jail in that transaction already, but the article um, talks about other issues. So uh, without confirming or denying the existence of any particular investigation, I would say I hear your concerns, and they will be reviewed. I think I know why you're probably
8: reluctant to go into some detail on that, but I would like to remind you that Deputy Attorney Rosenstein directly supervise the criminal case when he was U.S. Attorney in Maryland. I don't think it would be
9: proper for him to supervise a review of his own conduct, do you? It would be his decision. He's a man of integrity and ability. If he feels that he has a uh, inability to proceed with any invest investigation, it would be his responsibility to make that determination and should consult, as I told you, I would and as I have done uh, with the senior ethics people at the department.
8: Uh, reports suggest that the Clinton Foundation received millions of dollars from interested parties in the transaction. Bill Clinton received 500,000 for a speech in Moscow. June 2010, from the Russian government-aligned bank. The same month as a speech, Russia gave, began the uranium acquisition process. This fact uh, pattern raises serious concerns about improper political influence by the Clintons during the Obama administration. Has the Justice Department fully investigated whether the Russians compromised the Obama administration's decisions to smooth the way for transactions, and if not, why not?
9: Mr. Chairman, we're working hard to uh, maintain discipline in the department. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to comment on any ongoing investigation. All
0: right, that was earlier today during a hearing with Senator Grassley and the Attorney General of the United States, Attorney General Sessions. Now he was being grilled over the story that we went into great detail yesterday. That was broken by Circa.com, Sarah Carter in the Hills, John Solomon. And that's the story basically about the FBI had all this evidence, documents, emails, financial records, eyewitnesses proving that Vladimir Putin and Russia, Moscow, was using bribery, kickbacks, extortion, money laundering, all to influence and secure the Uranium One deal. And that millions and millions benefited Bill and Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation. This is now the trail that we had been waiting for that proves corruption in this case. And the attorney general, he hid it from everybody. And on top of that, they all knew before they signed off on giving 20 percent of America's uranium to Vladimir Putin and Russia, which makes no sense whatsoever, except it's one of the dumbest things that could ever happen and likely illegal. Well, now we have a new development today, and it's really simple. There was an FBI informant that knew all of this information. This FBI informant wanted to tell Congress about the Russian nuclear corruption case. An American businessman who worked for years undercover for the FBI, confidential witness, was literally blocked by the Obama Justice Department from telling Congress, which is what they're supposed to do, about the conversations, transactions, the things that he witnessed as it relates to this Russian nuclear industry effort to win over favor from Bill and Hillary Clinton and influence the administration's decisions, which they successfully did. Anyway, from Circa.com, Sarah Carter is back with us. Also, legal analyst Greg Jarrett has now written two outstanding columns, uh, summing all of this up as it relates to the legal aspects of all of this. Uh, Sarah, why don't we start with the details, then we'll go to Greg for the legal side of this. Uh, explain Please. exactly where we are and what the, how profound this is, these developments.
3: These developments are very profound, Sean. You know, I can tell you that when uh, the informant uh, came to me through his attorney, uh, right at the beginning he had seen, actually seen me on your show on, on Fox and was desperate to tell his story. There are some circumstances in his life that are pushing him in that direction. Uh, And now we can see that after this story came out, uh, there is a new push on the Hill right now with Senator Grassley to investigate this. And I think this is very important. And the fact that Attorney General Sessions couldn't talk either way, that's that's how it goes, you know, whether or not there was an ongoing investigation right now into this is also highly significant, and I think it tells us that they're taking this seriously, that they're going to be looking into this. When the SIPIUS board approved in October of that year, in 2010, to allow these Russian entities to purchase 20% of U.S. uranium supplies, the FBI had already for 15 months been investigating this. And they were investigating this, Sean, because the informant for the FBI, when he went to take on that contract with the Russians and found out that they wanted him to launder money, to launder money, to buy access in the United States, he went straight to the Justice Department and said, this is my duty as an American. My duty as an American to tell you this is what I'm being asked to do. And then he decided to stay and do this do this investigation with the FBI because they asked him to and he was providing all of that information to the Justice Department he was providing everything much more much more than we have already reported by the way some things which he considers classified and does not want to discuss with anyone especially with reporters he would like to talk to someone in the Justice Department but right now he was threatened He was threatened under the justice department at that point um he was under eric holder when he originally started this and then it went to loretta lynch and then was threatened with his liberty which means jail time or his reputation would be destroyed and i've seen the documents myself and i've talked to him about this personally with his attorney if he said anything but now This is no hold barred. He wants to come out. He wants to talk to someone. He's hoping that somebody within the Justice Department will lift his NDA, which is his non-disclosure agreement with the FBI, which, by the way, the FBI won't give him a copy of.
0: So basically what we're learning here is they knew all about bribery. They knew all about kickbacks. They knew all about extortion. They knew all about money laundering. They knew all about Vladimir Putin's efforts to get into our 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 nuclear our nuclear arsenal basically through uranium because it's the foundational materials for that. The FBI had all of this evidence. You have this whistleblower that wants to tell the truth, but they hide the truth and then they end up giving Putin everything he wanted. Is that can I sum it up that way? Is that what really happened? You
3: can definitely sum it up that way. And we, what the answer is that both the Senate me as a reporter wants to know, I'm sure the Justice Department is looking into now, is what did the CFIUS members know? Now, according to the people I've spoken with, very high-level former officials with the FBI that were very well aware of what needed to be done during that CFIUS process, they were required. Each entity, each of the 13 entities of government to do their own investigations to reveal everything that they knew about these companies before the purchase went through. So according to the people I've spoken with, those, and that information should have been delivered. It should have been delivered by then in Maryland, uh, the Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, and then uh, Andrew McCabe, who was working the case as the head of the Washington FBI field office. This is really should have all been delivered. And there was so much more information because this informant gave information. And apparently, and this is what I was told through his attorney, that his FBI handlers delivered the information directly to the White House, that he actually made President Obama's White House briefing a number of times.
0: Can you explain this from the legal side? You've written great columns, Greg. I don't want to sum it up for you because you've done all the work and explain this for everybody.
10: Well, as for Hillary Clinton, if the evidence is as reported, and great reporting by Sarah and John Solomon at the Hill, but if it is as reported and there are these documents, then it would constitute pay-to-play, which is there are all kinds of anti-corruption statutes, bribery, uh, fraud, wire fraud, and so forth. But as I pointed out a year ago, it looks like she has committed violations of racketeering, which is using a business for a corrupt and illegal enterprise. That business is her charity. And so it seems to me there should be a new special prosecutor to investigate that. As for Mueller, Comey, and Rosenstein, uh, all three of them were privy to this information over all these long years. They never told Congress about it. They didn't stop the uranium deal with the Russians. And Mueller, Comey, and Rosenstein are all involved now in the investigation of Trump. So it looks like they covered up Hillary-Russia collusion and now are determined to bring down Trump for alleged Trump-Russian collusion. I mean, you can't make this
0: up, Sean. All right. So I'm trying to understand, does this now – is there a prima facie case here to build against Hillary – And the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation that shows that it's a quid pro quo, that it's a kickback, that they had knowledge that all of this was going on. And did they put national security at risk knowingly?
10: Listen, when you're selling an enormous uh, vital asset like uranium to Russians, who are, for the most part, our enemy. Um, yes, you are jeopardizing national security. And Eric Holder, who sat on the committee that unanimously approved this, presided over by Hillary Clinton, he knew of all of the bribery and money laundering uh, and kickbacks associated with this. He had the evidence. He was, you know, the attorney general overseeing it all. and apparently, he kept quiet about it. And he participated in the approval of this sale. It's absolutely unconscionable. And, yes, I think it's knowingly and deliberately selling out America's national security to the
0: Russians. I I can't even believe the level of corruption here. Legally, what needs to happen next? Then I'll get back to Sarah.
10: Well, I would say two things. First of all, uh, Congress needs to question Holder, Mueller, Comey, and Rosenstein. Comey, uh, or rather Mueller and Rosenstein, should either be fired or recuse themselves, and a new uh, special prosecutor should take over uh, to investigate the Trump collusion. There's no evidence after you know a year or more that there was any collusion. And the second thing should happen, and Congress has already demanded this: a second special prosecutor, and Jeff Sessions needs to get off his duff, and he needs to appoint a second special prosecutor to investigate Hillary Clinton. And, and by the way, while you're at it, don't just investigate corruption within her foundation, but the email scandal as well, because there is more than enough evidence to bring charges under the Espionage
0: Act. Last word, Sarah. Where are we going next?
3: I think we just keep digging, and we look at the the evidence as we see it. Um, Do you you think the the money,
0: when we talk about money laundering, is there any chance the money came from Russia to the foundation of the Clintons?
3: I believe, based on the evidence that I've seen and the sources that I've talked to, that there is a significant amount of evidence, Sean, to show that that was definitely a possibility. And I can tell you, and I'm telling you in a roundabout way, because I think it's going to be up to the sources. It's going to be up to the to the Justice Department and to the Senate to talk to the right people well, to we see have, this evidence on its face.
0: We have the lawyer for this, this witness that wanted to tell Congress tonight that if we lift the NDA, the world can know the truth. We're going to blow this wide open tonight. We'll see you then. And we'll have more. We'll have an update on this story tomorrow because nobody else in the media is covering it because they just suck. They just are so lazy. It's disgusting. And they're trying to literally use a crazy congresswoman as a means of hurting the president. That's an absolutely vicious and vile and a new low for them, if it's even possible. And real Russia collusion. Hey, all of us here on the Hannity Show, sweet baby James and, and Linda and Lauren and, and Ethan and Jason. Jason's very angry today. What do you mean? you you in a bad mood today? What did I do? Did I do something?
11: What do I? What, how do you, you
0: don't look notice? happy today. What's the matter? When do I ever look happy? That's actually a good point. Uh, you <laughs> no, you're great at your job and you're focused on your job, but just you're looking at me with daggers today. <laughs> All right, so we got a story. We're going to check in with our buddy Dr. Josh Umber when we get back as it relates to congressional leaders came up with a bipartisan deal. Yeah, they want to extend Obamacare subsidies. Now, thank God we have congressional conservatives. Uh, that's only justifying uh, what is wrong with what happened in terms of Obamacare. We're not going along with it. Even the president at the Heritage Foundation said, no, that's not the right No, that's not the right idea. Uh, You can't bail out insurance companies as a means of not keeping your promise to repeal and replace Obamacare. We'll also tell you the benefits of the executive order that the president signed. Of course, that allows individuals to form associations, just like corporations have been able to do since 1974. And that means you have purchasing powers of big groups, buying across state lines, buying into cooperatives like Dr. Umbers, or even setting up your own health savings accounts and getting catastrophic care. All right, so we'll get to all of that when we get back. And then at the top of the hour, we're going to talk to Dylan Howard. We have the latest on how Hollywood knew everything, the media knew everything as it relates to Harvey Weinstein and others. And then, well, I'm going to talk to my friends that helped create this movie that is out in nine days, Let There Be Light. It's all coming up this edition. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is our number.
7: Here in America, we are strengthening our own freedom by appointing judges to the bench who will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. With your help, we have not only nominated but confirmed the new Supreme Court Justice who is doing a spectacular job, Neil Gorsuch. We have taken action to repeal the EPA's so-called Clean Power Plan, and we have ended, finally, the war on clean, beautiful coal. People going back to work. They're going back to work. Over the last nine months, we have removed job-killing regulations at a record pace. In fact, in nine months, we have done more, they say, than any president in history, and we're nine months, and there's more to come. We have statutory guidelines. We have to go by a period of time, but there's much more to come. And I believe in regulation, but it has to be limited to what we need. We want clean water. We want clean air. It has to be fair. We also want, by the way, jobs. To restore opportunity and freedom, we must continue our campaign to repeal and replace the disaster known as Obamacare. And I've been hearing that phrase for seven years. Seven years I've been hearing it. So have you. And I got here and I thought maybe when I sit down at that desk the first day, January 20th, I'll have something to sign. Not as easy as we thought, but we're going to get it done. You watch. And I'm pleased that Democrats have finally responded to my call for them to take responsibility for their Obamacare disaster and work with Republicans to provide much needed relief to the american people while i commend the bipartisan work done by senators alexander and murray and i do commend it i continue to believe congress must find a solution to the obamacare mess instead of providing bailouts to insurance companies well, we'll see, we'll see the bipartisan. We're going to see the bipartisan. And uh, Lamar Alexander's uh, working on it very hard from our side. And if something can happen, that's fine. But I won't do anything to enrich the insurance companies, because right now, the insurance companies are being enriched. They've been enriched by Obamacare like nothing anybody's ever seen before. I am not going to do anything to enrich the insurance companies.
10: Now in the House, we've been extraordinarily productive. We've passed our agenda.
0: We passed all of our appropriation bills ahead of schedule this year for the first time a Republican majority has done it since 2004. So the House, you believe the House is tainted by the inaction in the Senate. Health care is a per- perfect example. We passed our repeal and replace health care bill in May. How frustrating was it you to the, watch John McCain, that's, who promised a hundred times to repeal and replace Because I'm frustrated. We're the ones who passed it. We're the ones who said we would do this. And then to see you it not get pass, we said it was, by the way, it wasn't easy. Yeah. No, it wasn't easy, but it's extremely frustrating. Yes. In a few
7: moments, I will sign an executive order taking the first steps to providing millions of Americans with Obamacare relief. It directs the Department of Health and Human Services, the Treasury, and the Department of Labor to take action to increase competition, increase choice and increase access to lower-priced, high-quality health care options. And they will have so many options. This will cost the United States government virtually nothing, and people will have great, great health care. And when I say people, I mean by the millions and millions. First, we aim to allow more small businesses to form associations to buy affordable and competitive health insurance. This would open up additional options for employers to purchase the health plans their workers want. I'm also directing Secretary Acosta to consider ways to expand these associations and these health care plans all across state lines. This will create tremendous competition and transformative, in so many ways, change aimed at creating more and lower prices for millions of Americans. But the competition will be staggering. Insurance companies will be fighting to get every single person signed up.
0: All right, 25 till the top of the hour. New urgency since the president went ahead on his own executive orders, allowing now individuals to create associations where they, like corporations since 1994, are able to buy across state lines. Uh, For example, let's say you work in the in the restaurant industry and you want to have a restaurant association. Okay. That means anybody that works in the restaurant business from all 50 states could buy to could join together, form an association, have the purchasing power of as many people as they put in their association. And then all of the burdens of state laws and mandates of whatever state you happen to be in and all the burdens of ACA or Obamacare would be taken away. And the subsidies for Obamacare from the federal government also go away so it doesn't cost the taxpayers a penny. Now, with that said, then you have, of course, Congress feeling a sense of urgency. Uh Uh-oh, Donald Trump is going to really give us a, a free market solution. So you had a compromise being offered and negotiated between Lamar Alexander of Tennessee and Patty Murray of Washington, a big liberal, and authorizing payments for two years in exchange for granting the states greater flexibility to regulate health coverage under the ACA. But we don't need them for this in any way, shape, matter, or form. That's the whole point. And Paul Ryan, just earlier today, put an end to it in in terms of this last-ditch effort. And apparently the House is not happy with it because that means that they would be tacitly approving Obamacare and its subsidies, which I agree with Paul Ryan on in this case. Anyway, here to discuss it, Dr. Josh Umber. I mean, he ought to be charging us now to be on the program and also Michigan State Senator Patrick Colbeck is with us he is the original supporter of the atlas direct care model and we've been pushing on this program for however many years we've had you on dr umber you're like my favorite doctor that i never met except once um and i'm just thinking all right so trump was able to find a way to use his executive authority to do what congress wouldn't do and that is give individuals that want to form associations the purchasing power ability to buy across state lines not be subject to the mandates of the ACA, not subject to state mandates, and they could be doing what corporations have been doing since 1974, which would be great for your business, great for the healthcare industry alone, and even great for the insurance industry because they'd get all these customers.
11: Well, you said it, absolutely. Um, And I find it uh, uh, unbelievably frustrating that as soon as Trump decides to move forward and do something beneficial, that only after that are they able to come up with a bipartisan plan that then reinstates the the giant checks back to the insurance companies, Um, not to help the citizens, not to help people, not to advance health care, but to reinstate um, uh, checks back for bailouts.
0: All right. Now, Michigan State Senator Patrick Colbeck, are you – You're the original supporter of what Dr. Josh Umber is actually doing, and that is, you know, he has his own cooperative, which is basically concierge care for anybody. It's $50 a month for adults, $10 a month for kids. It's all the care you want. It's 24-hour uh, 24-7, uh, 365 health care, doctor availability, and everything is included in the 50 bucks a month except for maybe what whatever medicines you need, but he negotiates directly with the pharmaceutical company, so that's at a 95% discount, and most of the care that people need on a day-to-day basis, well, that's going to be taken care of. Um, yeah. Why aren't more people and more states supporting us?
12: Uh, good question. There's a lot of other pressures when you get into... A legislative environment from different lobbyists that don't benefit from this arrangement, because the one ingredient that you uh, that was not listed in that list of ingredients you provided was government insurance regulation, and it wasn't uh, um, and it wasn't any of the private insurers as well. It gets back to that free market principle of getting the third parties out of the equation and focusing on the relationship between the doctor and the patient. And let's just say a lot of those other entities, like private insurers and the government, wants to get back in between that relationship. And uh, Doc uh, or uh, Doc Umberis uh, found a way to keep them out of the relationship, and we're happy to promote that here in the state of Michigan because the cost savings from that approach, I'm doing a direct primary care-based Medicaid pilot here in the state of Michigan. So if we pop back up to the bigger picture of where all of our health care costs are nationally, um, Michigan spends $18 billion on Medicaid every single year. With this direct primary care based delivery system, we could save the citizens of Michigan about $3.6 billion every single year by adopting this approach, and that people get better care. It's not by rationing the care.
0: Well, I mean, this to me would be the perfect answer. You know, just like health care savings accounts, to me, is another great idea. Uh, we've had people like Dr. Umber on this program for years. How many times now have you been to Washington to talk about health care, Dr. Umber?
11: Several times. And then uh, I even had a senator call this morning, a, a, well, just re- recently former senator, now working for a think tank to um, take this and, and maybe try to move the dial on this conversation. So it it just continues to grow.
0: Why, why would Lamar Alexander support the idea of funding Obamacare? Because that's basically what he's... he's He's gearing up to do with Patty Murray. I think because
11: they honestly they don't know they haven't heard um, about direct primary care, despite as as much attention as it gets. uh, You know from being. Nice. I think it's hard to get good ideas into the bubble that is DC. If um, being more critical, I, I think they have perverse incentives to support the uh, the insurance companies right now, and and that's a bigger threat. Uh, and everybody's waiting to see kind of how this uh, this goes off the cliff here with uh, open enrollment starting next month.
0: Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable to me. I got to tell you. All right, so explain how many other practices have you helped or at least maybe given some guidance to that are up and running around the country?
11: We've helped over 350 um, doctors in just the last two or three years open these kind of practices. There's probably between 500 and 1,000 doing this model. Um, I know there's thousands of patients that want it because uh, our phones ring off the hook after every time you talk about it. Um, And then there was just a big conference uh, put on by... Uh, patient, doctors for Patient Care, a wonderful organization. Just last week in Orlando, over 300 doctors showed up to learn how to open their own direct care model. So this continues to get momentum.
0: So in other words, you're av- are you actually like doing ceremony, uh, ceremony uh, <laughs> seminars for uh, for doctors to teach them how to do this?
11: Yeah, yeah. Well, we have all of our material online for free for doctors to, oh, you know, just download a starter kit. Would it,
0: would it work in numbers? a big city like, say, New York? Oh, absolutely. We have it in urban
11: areas. Uh, we have it in um, Buena Vista, Colorado. Is a town of 2,500, and they have two doctors like this. So it can work from... Um, the high to the low. Now, the Soviet Republic, that is New York, doesn't allow doctors to dispense wholesale meds or to get the discounted labs, but there's still a lot why, of why, why,
0: why are you mocking my home state, doctor? That's a... <laughs>
11: oh, let me count the ways.
0: Yeah. No, listen, I'm, I'm telling you right now, like, for example, that I'll have a reduction in taxes, but when they get rid of the deduction of state and local taxes on your federal income tax, I'll have a much lower rate, but I'll be paying more money. And you know why? Because I have such stupid neighbors that put in stupid politicians in New York that's the only reason why
11: yep exactly Um, and and so they're driving up the cost of care but yet um, patients still respond to the rest of the value small businesses still need this and like you mentioned earlier the ERISA plan uh, that allows small businesses to shop over state lines we've had that and and the direct care model has been using that for years i have long said we have our our magic wand scenario uh, of a solution only for small businesses right now. So the more that Trump can do to empower and and strengthen those ERISA-type plans, the more everybody benefits.
0: Well, i got to tell you, I hope you can get this done, and I hope there are more state senators and assemblymen and legislators that will follow your model. State Senator Patrick Colbeck is with us from Michigan, and Dr. Umber, I think at some point you're going to have to start charging me 50 bucks a month just, just for the <laughs> consultations we get from you. By the way, good luck in your race, Patrick. I hope, uh, hope you win. You have a full, complete endorsement, but only if it helps you. If it hurts you, I'm against you. Whatever you want. That's what I tell hey, all my you friends. me
12: on this political journey, journey Sean. I was uh, a young engineer out in Huntsville, Alabama, listening to you. Oh, and, my God.
0: Uh, so this is my fault <laughs> that you got into politics? What did I do wrong but, in my life?
12: Yeah, well, it's not your fault that I lost committees recently for fighting Obamacare. But, uh, no, I, I really appreciate everything yeah, you've you. done to that can get some conservative uh, swamp drainers out there, and that's exactly what we're going to do in Michigan. Well, do if me a favor, can, uh...
0: get to Washington, will you? Because I know you can do a lot in the state, but you can do more damage in Washington. We need you in the Freedom Caucus.
12: Hey, we've helped with a lot of states promoting this direct primary care policy at Josh with other legislators, and... And uh, if we continue on that track, I mean, if you're a governor, like the state of Michigan, where there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the next presidential election, you can shape a lot of policy discussions. And if you want to help me shape it, please go to principledsolutionsformichigan.com. And there's a lot we can do. And um, I appreciate you getting the word out, because Josh is one of those selfless servants that's trying to make it better for everybody. There's no financial interest for him to go off and do this. He's the first guy to pick up the phone and advise legislators, advise doctors how to make this happen and it's going to make a difference in a lot of people's lives
0: all right guys thank you both for being with us we appreciate it got to take a quick break we'll come back we'll continue 800-941-shawn is our number i can tell you that the number one problem
5: in hollywood was and is and always will be pedophilia that's the biggest problem for children in this industry the casting couch even applies to children oh yeah not in the same way It's all done under the radar. Nobody talks about pedophilia. It's the big secret. And it's widespread? Oh, yeah. I was surrounded by them when I was 14 years old. Surrounded. Literally. Didn't even know it. It wasn't until I was old enough to realize what they were and what they wanted and what they were about and the types of people that were surrounding me till I went, oh my God, they were everywhere like vultures. There's one person to blame in the death of Corey Haim and that person happens to be a Hollywood mogul and that person needs to be exposed, but unfortunately I can't be the one to do it. But the person that knows who did it and knows who he is is watching right now, I guarantee you. Hmm. Yeah. Intriguing. There was a circle of older men that surrounded themselves around this group of kids. Hmm. And they all had either their own power or connections to great power in the entertainment industry. You know, there's a lot of good people in this industry, but there's also a lot of really, really sick, corrupt people in this industry. And there are people in this industry who have gotten away with it for so long that they feel they're above the law. Hmm. And that's got to change. That's got to stop. I'm saying that there are people that were the people that did this to both me and Corey yeah. that are still working. They're still out there, and they're some of the richest, most powerful people in this business. And they are. And they predator, do not want me saying what I'm saying right now.
2: Are you saying that they're pedophiles? Yes. And that yes. they're still in this business? Yes. That's what. Yeah. And that's what you were saying wow. in your book when you that's talk to you talk about, yeah. when yeah. you talk to and parents. They want
5: me here right now, Trust Corey.
2: Me. They they're me dead. There are a lot of parents out here yeah. who want to put their kids in this in this business. They, their kids are cute. They're great actors what would you say to a parent who just has the best of intentions who's coming here with their child uh-huh. if um, you're saying that there's a lot of predators in this industry
5: it's a many feathered bird okay be careful what you wish for that's what i'll tell you you know don't go into it with naivety don't go into it thinking that it's all roses and you're sunglasses damn, you're and an, an and
2: entire it. industry
5: i'm sorry i'm not up. trying to that- i'm just trying to say that it's a very important serious topic
0: All right, that was from an interview that was a series of interviews going back many years. That was Corey Feldman, child actor, child star, revealing even to the police that he had been molested more than two decades ago, but they did nothing to investigate the sexual predator who had Systematically raped this guy. And uh, joining us to discuss news roundup information overload, by the way, eight hundred nine four one Sean is our toll free number, is Dylan Howard, who is the chief content officer, vice president for AMI, the parent company of the National Enquirer. Uh, he published a story for Radar Online in twenty thirteen detailing the child sex abuse of actor Corey Feldman. And his report detailed that many, many knew, as I've been saying, a lot of people knew all about this, about the attacks on children and ongoing pedophilia in the industry in Hollywood. This is on top of the casting couch scenario that we've been laying out for everybody in the in recent days. Uh, Dylan, it's good to have you back. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you, Sean. Um, I hear all of this and I hear Corey's interview and he's like pleading for help and nobody paid attention.
13: Well, not only did the industry not pay attention, Sean, in fact, police did not pay attention to what Corey Feldman had suggested that he was sexually molested along with his close friend Corey Hayne. At one particular point, as part of my ongoing investigations into this particular case, I obtained audio recorded in 1993 while Santa Barbara Sheriff's detectives were interviewing Corey Feldman about allegations that Michael, Jackson had abused boys. Now, let me say, Corey Feldman said that Michael Jackson did nothing improper with him. But at this particular interview, Corey Feldman named names. He said, I know what it's like to go through those feelings. And believe me, the person who molested me, if this was him that did that to me, this would be a different story. This is what he told to detectives. Despite that, though, the conspiracy of silence remained, and this superstar Sicko was never brought to justice and still to this very day remains working in the industry.
0: Unbelievable. And you, we know who these people are, and they're still doing it, right? Well,
13: that's the frightening thing. And, in fact, many people have asked me on social media why I won't particularly name this individual. The reality is this particular individual, when confronted with these allegations, has threatened to sue uh, a doomsday scenario and says that, indeed, he will sue regardless of whether or not the story is true or not. Corey Feldman says that he, too, is in the same circumstance. But the reality here is that California police can file a charge of aggravated rape, uh, one that involves either a weapon more than one person or seriously injures the victim at any time with no statute of limitations. Other cases, though, are somewhat problematic. Normal sexual assault, as it's classified in California, has a statute of limitations for six years, which is a roadblock that many people encountered with Bill Cosby's alleged victims. So uh, Corey Feldman really is not in a position to come forward and name this person for fear of the legal repercussions and the fear that the legal and justice system won't stand behind him and take a hard-line approach to this particular
0: individual. You have heard about the casting couch stories as now Harvey Weinstein. is. is, It's just the the opening of Pandora's box here. Um, I think it's the tip of the iceberg. I think this is now going to – we're going to have revelations coming out for a long time how long have you heard about this and known about this? And about well, because you've been reporting Feldman? on it.
13: About no, not about, about the.
0: No, not this. Or just about, the, Harvey Weinstein.
13: about I mean, look, the reality was that there were the whispering campaign about individuals in Hollywood has been going on for some time. Uh, That said it's been very difficult for many to publish because of the sheer weight of the power of those in the industry and what they threaten to do if you're about to expose them you will remember of course we at the National Enquirer exposed that Charlie Sheen uh, had contracted HIV and was continuing to have unprotected sex with people. It took three years before we were able to publish that uh, expose under the threat of serious litigation. So many individuals in Hollywood, moguls have used their power, used their money in attempt to silence the fourth estate from exposing these depraved acts antics. But what I must say to you, Sean, is that over the last uh, couple of weeks since the New York Times published its uh, explosive story into Harvey Weinstein, that there has been a groundswell of support to expose these types of individuals. Already in the wake of this, we have seen that a top executive uh, at Amazon Studios, Roy Price, uh, resigned, if you like, and I say resigned in inverted quotations after a a supposedly uh, incident, a supposedly incident, I should say, on uh, The Man in the High Castle, which he was a producer of for Amazon. And we're starting to see that many other people are coming forward and bravely telling their stories. In many ways, it could well be a cleansing of the Hollywood industry. But at at this particular point, I must say, it's dog eat dog. I'm talking to individuals behind the scenes, many whom are lawyering up at this point for fear that they are going to be the next target of a wide range investigation.
0: Y- they are know, the moguls that fear it. Let me, so you think that this is going to spread and spread like wildfire? No doubt.
9: Absolutely no, I no doubt.
0: Yeah. I continue to investigate
13: another particular story, Sean, uh, about two movie moguls uh, who settled a case with a woman who made allegations that she was used uh, by these movie moguls almost tantamount to a sex slave. And as part of that Settlement, this woman was offered multiple roles in multiple different films in order to secure or buy her
0: silence. It's a story that I continue to investigate. Do you one ever that I have do, do you legal ever find- documents on? you ever find instances where people make false charges against famous people because they know it's a quick way to make a buck, and, and then people are likely to settle because the cost of litigating is too much, and and so on and so forth.
13: Indeed it is, and let's face it, the reality of that situation was all too common for Brian Singer, who, of course, is uh, the famous director behind the X-Men franchise, who was accused uh, of sexually assaulting an individual, and that individual later recanted his claims, and um, mm and said that he wasn't, um, that that, that Brian Singer had not assaulted him. So uh, all too often we have seen many allegations come forward only not to materialise. But one thing I can say with uh, certainty, the situation around Corey Feldman and Corey Haim ultimately led to the death of Corey Haim. He is somebody who uh, died of a drug overdose uh, because his life was tormented and haunted by what happened to him as a young teen night
0: job I mean, the you, reality yeah. is
13: yeah the that wall is. of silence needs
0: to come down when the whole michael jackson thing happened and i know Corey said that that michael jackson did not molest him but there was this tape this interview that michael jackson had done prior to his case and i want to play it for you and get your thoughts on it because to me it was really weird and creepy just creepy listen but when you say
2: bed, and then we'll get it's your... sexual. They make that sexual. It's not sexual. We're going to sleep. I tuck them in. We put, I put a little music on. and a little storytelling. I read a book. It's very sweet. You put the fireplace on, give okay. them hot milk. You know, we have little cookies. It's very charming. Very sweet. Sure. It's what the whole world should do. What's wrong with sharing a love? You don't sleep with uh, your kids or some other kid who
0: needs love? Talking about hot cocoa, milk, music... A fire and put it sleeping with other people's children. It, is, it was the most bizarre, creepy thing in the world I'd heard. Your thoughts? I mean, what do you say to that? I think anybody in their right mind
13: would suggest that uh, that interview explained Michael Jackson. He may not have been convicted uh, of child molestation, but certainly his closeness to children was worrisome to so many. Uh, The allegations against Michael Jackson were stacked. Uh, He most certainly was the subject of lurid claims by many, many individuals. However, he escaped uh, justice, if you like. He Uh, avoided uh, being um, convicted of any criminal activity and avoided a lot of civil litigation at the same time. But I don't think anybody, if you're a young parent out there listening to this show right now and you subjected your child to what Michael Jackson just described that he enjoyed doing, then uh, I don't think you would be a red-blooded parent because
0: that's frightening to think that Michael Jackson viewed that as some form of love. All right, stay right there. We'll have a few more moments, closing moments with Dylan Howard. He is the chief content officer, vice president for AMI, which is the parent company for the National Enquirer. Quick break right back. We'll continue.
5: I can tell you that the number one problem in Hollywood was and is and always will be pedophilia. There was a circle of older men, and they all had either their own power or connections to great power that surrounded themselves around this group of kids. And it's widespread? Oh, yeah.
7: I was 12 years old and my publicist, he um, basically talked me into doing things that I didn't really want to do. I was, hadn't had sex before and he kind of convinced me that this was the right thing to do and kind of told me, like, don't tell your parents, you know, and bought me a bicycle. He always kept doing things for me. He seduced me and he started at 11 years old to 12. We have to make people realize that children need to be safe on these sets and they're not safe because parents want their kids to be in show business so bad that they are willing to do anything and they'll send them off with Strange people. You know, Todd, and that's something talk. that you just shouldn't do. When, when a child is molested, for me, I can't speak for every other child, but when I was molested, it made me feel shame, degradation. Uh, made me feel less than average. I mean, I I, I spent uh, uh, from from 12 to 13 years old trying to figure out whether I was homosexual or not. I didn't know because mm-hmm. I, because I liked the feeling, but I didn't know that that was wrong. You know,
1: he was like, "Did you ever see an old man's?" Pee? before. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of odd. And I didn't want to, you know, be disrespectful and just get out of the car. And I told him, no, I, I never saw an old man's
12: piece before. And, you
1: know, we got out and we were walking, we got to a park and there was a tree and he pushed me to the tree. And it was like, I'll show you
0: what a b- job is.
3: And the director asked me to sit with my legs apart. The camera was positioned where it could see up my skirt. To put my leg over the arm of the of the chair. And before I started my dialogue, think about the character that I was supposed to be having the dialogue with. And, and how it felt to be made love to by this person. And I was thinking, this is so strange. Why would I need to do that? But this is the director. He is talking. You know, this is a... There's, a, there's the casting director.
6: It must be normal. It
3: must be normal. There's, I'm 18 years old, you know, and I'm thinking this is obviously something that I, I was in a protected in, in here. There were boundaries. And it turned out that the director who had who had went on to make the film and who I was auditioning for used to show that video late at night to interested parties at his house. A video of me touching myself with a camera up so my you skirt. Were...
0: Alright, so as we continue with Dylan Howard, he is the Chief Content Officer of, uh, and Vice President for AMI, the parent company National Enquirer. Alright, so this is, you follow a lot of these stories. You hear now all of these allegations and Harvey Weinstein and others. Where do you see this going?
13: Well, I think that uh, the reality here is that there has been a society of fear and culture that has walked the streets of Hollywood. The demise of Harvey Weinstein signals a new change, a change that will bring honesty and truth about the industry and will root out the evil. And I got to tell you, Sean, I for one hope that Corey Feldman and others who were subjected to this pedophilia racket will be brave enough to come forward. And name names at this particular point. This individual that perpetuated uh, these crimes on uh, Corey Feldman and Corey Haim is a household name and revered by millions around the globe. He's enjoyed the success of a Hollywood career, but one that really shouldn't have been due to his depraved actions and the actions that he took against these two individuals
0: all right dylan howard uh thanks so much for being with us again we appreciate it one of the few people i've gotten to know in the media that is actually a person of their word it's unbelievable anyway appreciate it thanks for being with us when we come back we're nine days away from releasing the movie that i think is going to move you and your family in ways that you can't even imagine the reaction has been amazing to let there be light and we're going to talk to one of the stars and the writers of that movie coming up next
5: yeah 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 i'm coming you're drunk
6: oh you can't pull the wool over your eyes the basic tenet of christianity whoa 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 whoa. don't you dare tell me about the love and the compassion of your so-called god
14: what do you think it does to the boys to take the death of their brother and use it as part of your carnival act
6: pays the bills Ah.
5: clinically dead in the ambulance for four minutes it's a miracle. I saw Davy. You now all I wanted to do was just, I to put my arms around him. I, I
14: don't know what to do with that. You've gotten the best scientific explanation. It hasn't brought you any comfort. Would you consider consulting
5: a different source? Doc, he is your God, and he's holding out his hand to you. All you got to do now is take it. Jesus gets whacked, right? I've never exactly heard to put that
6: way but yeah follow well, me here this ain't brain surgery do you believe
14: that god hears god always answers prayers sometimes we just don't understand the answers
9: this better be good
14: that's what i said i don't want to lose
0: you so my first question is are you guys ready for the amount of heat that'll be coming your way with this All right, that is from the movie that I am the executive producer of. It's called Let There Be Light, and it debuts in nine days. And we've been playing trailers and telling you all about it, and... We have a list of theaters up on my website, Hannity.com. And uh, it's, you know, in light of everything that's been going on with Harvey Weinstein. And, you know, the reason I got involved in this project, I think it was started about two years ago. It feels like two years. Um, Bringing a movie to a theater is is a massive ordeal. Is I'm sick of Hollywood. I'm sick of their disdain and hatred for all things Christian, all things conservative. It's just a fact. You know, if it's sex and violence and it's formulaic and it's Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, Superwoman, all of the superheroes, it's it's just it's so old. Great creative movie making is just it seems like a bygone error. And movies that actually are entertaining, that you can take the whole family to, that inspire you, that move your soul, are few and far between. And so I literally sat down at a table with Kevin Sorbo, who stars in the movie with his wife, Sam Sorbo. And this crazy guy that I've gotten to know that's a nice guy, Dan Gordon, was sitting around a the table. They explained the movie to me in 30 minutes. I said, I'm in. I want to do this. I want to do something different. I like the message. It, this movie will take you on an emotional roller coaster." Ups and downs. You're not going to be able to predict where it's going to go, which I think is the perfect movie. Let's put it this way. I have now shown the movie to a number of of friends, and almost all of them have cried. It has touched their hearts that deeply. Joining me now. Now we have a book version of it out. It's called "Let There Be Light for Those in Darkness." I wrote the forward for the book, and it is written by Dan Gordon and uh, Dan Gordon and Sam Sorbo. They put the screenplay together. Welcome uh, both of you to the program. So we're nine days away from my big movie debut as the executive producer, and uh, we're excited. Uh, welcome both the you both of you to the program. It took a long time to get here.
14: It, it actually was Hi, a very Tom. short time by Hollywood standards. But thank you for having us. Go ahead, Dan. Well,
0: I don't know when yeah. was it that we first, but maybe it was a year ago. I don't even remember.
14: <laughs> it's typically it's five years from start to finish. I think Dan will back me up on that. Is that true? Is much less.
6: Oh, oh yeah. I mean, when I did Murder in the First, which was quite a while ago, it took twenty-two years to get it made. So, <laughs> um,
0: were, you, by, were you guys by that after? We're okay. Were you surprised that? Because I actually had talked to kevin once i said you know i might want to get involved in one of these movies now i know you have you know there are a lot of movies for example how many movies have you been involved in that we would recognize immediately dan gordon uh
6: this will be my 17th hollywood feature and uh, probably got about 300 hours of television
0: yeah i mean serious serious stuff kevin sorbo known of course best known for his role in hercules and one of the mega breakout hits uh is is god's that- not dead um, that he did, and Sam. I mean, was it hard because you're playing? You are his wife, and you're playing his wife in the movie. So I thought the fight scenes seemed particularly real.
1: <laughs> they, they were. <laughs> they were.
0: seemed It seemed like it was a very natural moment for both of you.
14: <laughs> you know, we we uh, we work out our differences on screen. It, it works really well for the marriage. <laughs> it's like therapy. <laughs>
0: You know, it is interesting though we're debuting this movie. Let there be light in nine days, and again, I, I hope people will go see it. It's at Hannity.com, and and we're going to be adding theaters, as I understand it, every week. It's not like a quintessential Hollywood rollout because it's not it's not by one of the major studios. Although we do have uh, Lionsgate as one of our partners, and so. But the bottom line is is that this is a movie that is different, and there is now a new business emerging because I think a lot of us are sick and tired of what Hollywood gives us. Is that a fair statement?
6: Oh, I think absolutely. I think that people are so hungry for this type of film and I think you see that in in people's reactions to almost everything that's going on in the culture and and they're really we had none of us really had any idea when we sat in your office how prescient this movie was just how much darkness was spreading across the world. And and that was one of the themes of the movie and I Think people are just not just hungry, desperate for light in their lives, and I, I don't mean you know in a little way. I mean deep spiritual, meaningful, purposeful light and hope in their lives, and redemption and forgiveness and and um, something uplifting as opposed to degrading. With, uh, and I think you set it up perfectly with the uh, with the example of Harvey Weinstein.
0: Let me let me set the movie up a little bit without giving the movie away. The movie opens with scenes of just how chaotic and insane and dark and evil this world can be. And years ago, I wrote a book, Deliver Us From Evil, and I tried to get people to understand that in the last century, 100 million human souls were slaughtered. And it, and it's hard, I think, for good people to wrap their arms around. There is true evil. What Harvey Weinstein did was evil. When you abuse a child, it's evil. The Holocaust was evil. What happened under Stalin in Russia was evil. The killing field's evil. Nine Eleven, evil. Radical Islam, evil. That's all evil in our time. Mm -hmm. So you've got Mm – it's it's like a college campus setting – when the movie actually opens, and Kevin Sorbo it had is an author who wrote the book "Aborting God," and he's debating right. a man of faith, a pastor, and the crowd loves the Kevin Sorbo and has contempt for the pastor that has values. And then we're taken on a roller coaster ride and a journey. How did it, how did he develop this hatred of God, this atheism, and how does he evolve as a human being? And and Sam is a big part of the road for him back to redemption, and that's about as far. I'm gonna go because then it takes you on so many twists and turns you can't believe what happens is that a good summary Sam I
14: thought that was excellent and, and I have to say yeah. I mean your you're pre you're, Dan Dan said it also your prescience in sort of jumping into this kind of project look we can go to hundred million dollar movies but we always leave the theater a little bit um, thirsty because because our real appetites our souls appetites aren't really sated by the the blow them up bang them up shoot them up kind of stuff and this is a movie that talks to your soul, that, that feeds you, that uplifts you, and that gives you hope. And that's and we need hope. That's what we need. When when we see bullies getting away with bullying year after year, uh, I think the American public has shown at this point that they're fed up with that and that they want to return to values. And I'm hoping that, that they show their support for this kind of movie in the theaters this fall.
0: Well, it's the only way you're going to get more of them. Let's be honest. Otherwise, you know, if, if movies like this, and it was a leap of faith, I think for all of us, I mean, both of you co-authored the, both the book and the, and the screenplay, and I'm just, you know, and I, somebody who believed in the project, and it was my great direction, of course, in my scene, I'm actually in the movie, that I think <laughs> is going to really pop out on the screen. You were um, very
14: convincing.
0: I don't think I could ever break cast. I'm, I'm typecast for the rest of my career. But the thing...
6: well, let's just say no one else could have done you better than you did. Well, That's I appreciate true.
0: that. <laughs> Here's what surprised me since the movie, since we got our first cut, and I've shown people, and I've, I did my own focus grouping, if you will. Ninety-eight mm-hmm. percent of people cried a lot, not mm-hmm. a little, a <laughs> lot, and that surprised me. Why, I, without giving the story away, why do you think this movie touches so deeply? I uh-huh. think.
6: You know, the, the the main thing that sets this apart, not just from Hollywood films, but also, quite frankly, from an awful lot of faith-based film, is that this shows people facing real... You know, people think that people of faith don't have to face tough situations in life, and they do. They have to deal with the, the most horrible situations imaginable that challenge their faith, that break their faith sometimes. And just because you have faith doesn't mean that you're perfect uh, we have a character in the in the film who's based on a dear friend of mine Michael Francis who uh, well,
0: Michael Francis was you know, a mobster who found religion and Jesus Christ while he was in jail and now he's a real-life pastor and he plays the pastor in the movie yeah
6: he was he was as mobbed up as you could possibly be he was second generation mafia he was he was a captain in the Colombo family at one time Forbes magazine listed him as the most successful mob under 30 since Al Capone. That's how huge he was. And he was put in the hole for three years once he went to prison. By the way, and his father— and his father wanted to kill him.
14: Yeah, his father put a hit
6: out on he him. He was that was that was the reason they put him in solitary was they couldn't protect him in the yard because they said there's a contract on your life and your father okayed it. And here's a guy who adored his father, so he went into the he went into the solitary completely broken, completely nothing nothing left in his life. He's in a ten foot box in the dark, and one guard had compassion on him and snuck in one book to him, and that book was the Bible. And for three years all all he did was read it and he made notes in it and i mean i've seen you know the bible and we've talked for hours about it and that's where he he's not one of these guys who said oh i found god give me parole he found god in solitary he wasn't coming before any parole hearing right. and right. he's been out for 25
0: years now you know and he's a real life pastor yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, and, and he speaks and so all this over,
14: is... and you know, I I just want to say the the movie deals with grief, and I think that that is one of the things that really sets it apart, and it shows somebody who has no faith and how they are handling their grief, and it shows in juxtaposition somebody who who has faith, a Christian woman who is handling the grief in a different way, and and so it juxtaposes those two those two roads, and we all will deal with grief, and the question is how will we handle it, and one way gives you hope, and the other other way gives you nothing but a black abyss and it's a choice
0: it really is i don't know anybody in life also that 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 skates through i don't know anybody in life that doesn't have something challenges something at some point sometime everybody think oh if you're rich you're you're happy i know more miserable rich people than anything else
6: I'm yeah. Being honest, yeah. well, and 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 that I think that's why the movie affects people. There, you know, this movie came out of Sam's heart. It came out of my life experiences, and it came out of your courage in putting it together. But there's nothing in that in in the darkest hours that the hero faces that I didn't live through. And I think that that's why people respond to it. It's not some guy who's theoretically saying, "Oh, this might be a challenge that a person of faith faces." No, there's nothing in that movie that well, that I didn't go through. There's nothing he does that I didn't do. No mistake
0: he made that I didn't. Do. You fought, and you're a, a top rank officer in the IDF. How many wars and conflicts have you been in?
6: I've been in six wars, and yeah. five of them have been in the last 15 years. And, I've, you know, I know what PTSD is real up close and, pre- and personal, and um, a, a lot of the humor in there that is dark humor of this poor guy, you know, being zonked out, unable to sleep because he's on pain medication and, and what have you, uh, and he's just a total zombie. Um, I know exactly what that is, as does almost every soldier who's been in combat. So I think what people respond to is is the reality both of the situations that the characters face and the reality of their fate.
0: Yeah. And I'm a big believer that if you, you you meet good, creative, hardworking people and you leave them alone, and one of the things I think if I did anything, I left you guys alone to do your job. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, the movie business is harder than I thought it would be, yeah. and, and there are more meetings than I ever had in my life. I don't do meetings, so they, that became a little bit of a complication, but in the end, I'm very proud of the project and, and being a part of it. It opens in nine days theaters are listed, and they're going to be changing every week now, and we're putting it up on Hannity.com. We'd like you to go out in the debut week, and that means we'll get, like, probably 500 more theaters based on the initial success. So it opens on the 27th of October, and there's going to be a big airing out in Vegas on Friday, and then I'm going to be at... Pastor Jeffers Church in Dallas on for both services on Sunday, and then I'm going to be in Cleveland uh, at Daryl Scott's Church on Sunday night. And uh, it's, it's listen, I'm very excited.
14: Listen, if people want to go to Let There Be Light Movie they can see uh, testimonial videos. We took videos of people who are exiting the theater. People are really moved by this movie. This is the movie, ladies. If you want to bring uh, your the guy in your life, your son, your husband, this is the movie to bring them to. They will thank you for it. Men love this movie even more than women, and women adore this movie. So go check out the, the website, too, please.
0: All right. Thank you both. Fantastic job. Nine days. My first movie as executive producer, Let There Be Light. It's on Hannity.com, Let There Be Light Movie.com. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, we have a big show tonight. We are going to take on the media and their big lie that they ran with every narrative of a woman that hates Donald Trump. And we'll give you her history that they won't give you. And then there were people in the room that say... Oh, what they're saying that what he said, he was nothing but compassionate on that call. Then we've got the FBI informant was blocked from telling Congress about the Russian nuclear corruption case and so much more. 9 Eastern tonight on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Set your DVR. Big show tonight.